Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Evmos Community Call. Let's take a listen. Welcome to yet another uh, one of Evmos's weekly community calls. Happy to have all of you here again. And with me, as always, is my co host, Kilo. How's it going, Kilo? Oh, it's going pretty good. It's been a busy morning. Hi, everybody. Great. Kilo, could you possibly run us through the agenda for today's uh, meeting? Absolutely. Up on the agenda today, um, like you said, it's been a while since uh, we've done one of these. I figure we'll probably do um, an Ethereum Denver recap of some of the stuff that we did there. Uh, we could discuss a little bit about uh, Prop 135, which is a conversion for USK. Uh, there is an ongoing discussion on Commonwealth right now about Nebular Summit. And then we have some um, exciting news on the community front where we are coming out with some new educational um, video series to you know, help new users out um, after that. Maybe we can talk about some of the you know near future uh, items that we have coming out, and uh, a couple of guests that want to come on and say a few things. Um, I'll go ahead and get us uh, kicked off. I'm going to pass it back over to you because you're probably going to be the best one for this. Um, Ethereum Denver recap. Uh, for, what do we have to tell folks about Denver? Yeah, so uh, for those of you in the audience who uh, went, Hope I got to speak to you, uh, or hope you got to speak to somebody else uh, who is contributing to Evmos. Uh, always a good time to to meet each other out in the wild. Uh, but if you didn't get to go, uh, let me paint you a picture of uh, a windy, uh, kind of somewhat dreary city at that time of year, but full of energy, full of life. Uh, all the folks. Uh, from crypto Twitter in real life, up on stage and at coffee shops, talking to each other, intermingling and whatnot. Um, that's kind of the vibe of uh, the ETH Denver conference that uh, took place two weeks ago. Um, and it's kind of the vibe of, of pretty much every crypto conference, just buzzing with energy all the time. Uh, and now while the main venue at ETH Denver uh, had, uh, you know, a lot to offer. Uh, there were a good number of side events as well, some of which um, uh, we uh, at the core team uh, managed to participate in and contribute to. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there was there were a few uh, uh, panels hosted uh, by uh, by us in conjunction with uh, a few partners like Secret Nim. Uh, an injective, uh, 
uh, and you can see some of the reels from that event um, on the main page. Um, of course, uh, uh, Deborah from uh, Althea slash Gravity also participated and moderated those panels. So big shout out to all those teams, uh, you know, that worked in collaboration with us to, to host that event. Uh, it was super fun. We got to meet a lot of people, learn a lot from the panels. Um, and yeah, if you haven't uh, seen the recordings or the clips of them yet, they're up on the uh, Twitter uh, main account profile page. So if you just scroll down, you should be able to see a few of the interviews and things uh, that uh, uh, some of the folks did. Um, you might even see a few kind of uh, sneaky, fun little clips of people singing. Uh, that's all good fun. Now, uh, the other places we spoke at were Interop Summit. So we had Akash, one of uh, the co-founders of the project, speak on a panel there alongside uh, Thyborg, Sunny, Zaki, uh, Sunny from Osmosis, Zaki from Sommelier, and Rebecca from Saga. Uh, I think Thyborg from Informal was the moderator there. And so if you missed that, do check it out. This was Interop Summit by Axelar. Um, and yeah, that was a really great panel. I'm glad we got to participate there. Um, besides those two, uh, we, as I mentioned, we attended the main venue, we attended the side events. There's a good number of things to do there. Highly, highly recommend if people are interested in uh, understanding kind of the landscape of where the Cosmos ecosystem is going and how the security uh, ecosystem is playing out more generally. Highly recommend you check out the Shared Security Summit uh, that was held. I think right before Denver began uh, the main event. Um, and this was co-hosted by Babylon and by Eigenlayer. And of course, featured a number of illustrious speakers, uh, great panels, um, and really, really informative insights into how shared security is going to be playing out in the near future. Right. So we've gotten a number of questions. Um, on this call and on other calls uh, about uh, things like shared security and how Evmos will uh, benefit from shared security and that sort of thing, right? Uh, and so highly recommend those panel talks if, if anyone is curious uh, to dive deeper. Now, to share some alpha, uh, some of you know the conversations that uh, the Evmos core contributors have been having with the folks met at Denver, it's been incredibly fruitful. One such example is conversation with Babylon. And if you're curious about what Babylon is or does, we're going to have a shared community call uh, at some point in the near future, likely two weeks from now. So on the next community call, that will be hosted alongside Babylon. Uh, in order to talk about what an Evmos integration for Babylon might look like. So stay tuned there. And in case you don't know, Osmosis recently integrated with Babylon as well. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, the other um, 
main kind of event, if you have limited time that I would check out at ETH Denver is certainly WalletCon. I think throughout that ETH Denver week, EIP 4337 went live, which is the uh, EIP for kind of like this out of band implementation for account abstraction. Um, and what that means for you is kind of, it pushes uh, slightly on the innovations that um, uh, that have been made in kind of the account abstraction space, the abstraction space, and kind of pushing the envelope on what the idea of a wallet can be in the future. And so, yeah, I highly recommend WalletCon. I think that that event went a little underrated for, for the quality of the talks there. Of course, you know, you've got Interop Summit, again, hosted by Axelar, and uh, L2 Day and a number of other talks, but I think uh, the ones that I personally, the subjective opinion, the ones that I personally enjoyed the most were the Shared Security Summit and WalletCon. Uh, and that about, I think, wraps up kind of my account of, of East Denver. Uh, like I said, for those of you who went, if you know, you know. But uh, for those of you who didn't go, I do recommend trying to make it out to at least one uh, conference uh, in the industry um, at some point this year or some point soon. There are conferences happening all over the world. So there should be one happening near you as well. Uh, very exciting stuff. And you get to kind of see firsthand what the cutting edge looks like in you know these, these talks and whatnot. But uh, Kilo, back to you. I think uh, if you have anything to, there to add about East Denver, otherwise we can move on. Um, yeah, I, East Denver was really great. Uh, lots of time spent talking with lots of people, getting to, getting to meet new teams and going to watch these panels in person, seeing some of the panels that we were on and the questions that everyone had. Um, it was a lot of fun, uh, especially, you know, out at Blue Moon, had a blast out there, uh, sat, stood around our table talking to people so long I lost my voice. It was a great time. And overall, you know, the experience was really fun because of the diversity of questions people would bring me and you know just people that are so interested in the ecosystem and what's going on bringing you know a bunch of questions into the space and wanting to know so many various different things it was pretty eye-opening to me how involved some people really get it was really awesome to see but um i suppose we can move on from there um just a quick touch on this next topic um, proposal 135 is um, current status is set to pass, and it's to uh, disable a conversion for a previously registered uh, USK denomination. Um, that's going on now. Like I said, that's just a quick touch. It's kind of a technical to do. We won't, won't spend too much time there. So next up on our list is a ongoing discussion on the Commonwealth. Uh, that is. Uh, commonwealth.im slash evmos for those wondering. Uh, Nebular Summit and Hackathon uh, sponsorship that they would put up for discussion. They're discussing potential, a new venue around ECC, uh, a two-day hackathon uh, event, you know, on and around evmos and other factors 
Um, this is one, again, I highly encourage people to go weigh in, you know, read through it, make sure that you get your opinion out there and you, you join the discussion that's ongoing right there. There's a lot to see there. Um, any opinions uh, or any takes on that one? What do you, what do you think uh, from the community perspective of people jumping in there and, you know, getting their voices heard? Totally. Um, so I know that uh, we, uh, we as a community sponsored Nebular last year. So this was done, I think Seb, the organizer of the Nebular Summit, uh, did a similar thing where he you know, put up a proposal on, uh, a draft proposal on, on Commonwealth and then took it to governance and it got approved. Um, I don't remember what the sponsorship amount was uh, last year, but uh, yeah, it was same deal, kind of a side event um, for ETCC, which for those of you who don't know, is a crypto conference that uh, takes place in Paris around July, I think. Um, and so, yeah, Nebular would sideline that. Uh, and uh, I think the new, the new component here is that there is an associated hackathon to go alongside it, which is always super exciting. I think you know, the focus for the community more and more as, uh, you know, the core contributors start to build out the EVM extensions is to get people using the EVM extensions that, that uh, are being built out. So for, as a reminder, for those of you who haven't read the manifesto, highly recommend you do so. Uh, the Avmos manifesto is kind of a condensation of the vision, mission, and roadmap for Evmos for this year. Uh, and so we'll be building, uh, you know, we'll all be building out um, that story together, right? And in order to do that, we need more developers on board uh, in the ecosystem as always. And part of that effort, of course, is uh, the ENCODE grant program, as well as the Dora Hacks uh, regular hackathon program. Um, that again, the community has, has established. Um, but uh, on the ground, IRL hackathons, there's no replacement for that face-to-face -face engagement with, with developers in the ecosystem and being able to provide real-time support uh, as well as, uh, as just being able to explain what Evmos is to them. So uh, anywho, uh, with that being said, yeah, again, uh, so Seb comes to the community once again, I believe, with, with another draft proposal for Nebular this year. And I'm looking forward to, to what the community uh, thinks about it. Um, you know, I don't know that um, there are too many contributors I know of who are planning on going. There are one or two who, who may show up. but. Uh, you know, a strong push from the community here would definitely uh, signal like a higher importance to this event. Um, beyond that, yeah, I don't have any any more input. Uh, like I said, uh, the, there's still quite a bit of time uh, for the event. Um, so looking forward to everyone's feedback, especially, you know, timely feedback is especially important to, to get back to, to Seb. Uh, Sebastian, who runs the event, and sort of understanding, you know, what the what the community thinks, I think, is most important to him 
uh, as someone who is kind of putting the event together and organizing it and whatnot and looking for sponsorships. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for me, Kilo. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for that. So just a couple of points of clarification that I know we're touched on. Um, the uh, hackathon would run July 22nd and 23rd, and then Nebular Summit would be July 24th and 25th, at least per the discussion on Commonwealth. And again, not to undersell anyone here, uh, we have one of the most active Commonwealth communities out there. And it's just great to see um, everyone here, you know, pitching in, getting their voices heard and, you know, helping to shape how these things work is really great. But, you know, all in all, I agree with everything else you said. All right. Uh, the next thing up on our agenda is something that uh, we've been working on and I've you know, personally been kind of uh, touching on this for a little while now, so it's good news to finally unveil it. You might have seen that uh, we recently uh, released a video on our YouTube channel about wallets and, you know, what is a wallet? What's a DeFi wallet? How is it different from regular wallets? This is the first and hopefully a series of educational uh, content and educational video that we'll be putting out there for general users. You know, I would... I would, you know, hazard a guess that the majority of us here are, you know, seasoned veterans for the most part when it comes to uh, crypto, DeFi, wallets and all this stuff. But, you know, not everybody is. And uh, I recognize that and we recognize that and we want to put out the tools and utilities to help new users in the space as well. So you can definitely keep an eye out for more educational content, video content and text content to help users, you know, learn all these new exciting things about the ecosystem. Cool. And where can uh, where can people access these resources, Kila? On our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash at Evmos. Gotcha. Perfect. Is there a timeline for you know what what the cadence of the of the rollout for this content should be, um, or anything else the community should know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, th there is a targeted timeline and a targeted cadence to this. So we're hoping to have them released on Fridays. Now, whether or not that will be every Friday, I'm not quite sure yet. But yeah, on Fridays, we'll try to have new educational videos out. Super. All right. Well, nothing much to add on my side there then. Yeah. Um, Moving on, uh, before we get to some of our guests, I'm not sure if you wanted to weigh in, if there's anything that we wanted to add about, um, you know, uh, V12 or anything of that uh, nature that we wanted to add in here before we move on to guests. Totally, yeah. So I think uh, Federico may have covered some of the V12 uh, details uh, last time. But essentially, one of the main features here is the uh, fee subscription, right? Uh, the fee subscription, uh, in addition to the Seifu initiative, right? Which I think have been talked about on on the blog before and you know, talked about uh, via the, the Twitter profile. But just to quickly recap here, so the fee subscription is an experimental new feature um, that kind of was ideated uh, in order to solve uh, a user problem. Uh, and the problem is that uh, when users uh, run out of uh, a balance, you know, to, you know, let's say they've staked 100% of their tokens, 
or something like that. And they don't have a balance to interact with the network anymore, which is a problem. Now they need to go and, and find some other way to, to get more tokens to, to pay for fees on the network. Um, well, this is a real issue. This is a real issue generally when you have a zero balance. Um, and so kind of what the fee subscription does is that it allows users to pay for fees via their staking rewards. And so I think users can, you know, this is a, an optional feature, uh, but essentially uh, what it means is that um, users don't have to worry about, um, you know, running a low balance and not being able to pay for that last one or two transactions, uh, especially if that transaction is to claim staking rewards. It's a little bit silly for users to not have uh, enough tokens to pay for the fee to claim the staking rewards that would give them the tokens to pay for future fees, right? Um, and so, yeah, this feature allows those users to, to pay for fees right out of their staking rewards, improving the user experience. Now, uh, you know, this feature will go live on the network and then that'll be reflected on uh, the Avmos dashboard at app.avmos.org and hopefully at other community built dashboards uh, you know, shortly thereafter. But uh, in addition to that, um, you know, there's all sorts of uh, interesting you know, wallet integration work that, that needs to happen as well. And so you know, we obviously need to speak to the Kepler team to understand how uh, you know, there might be kind of interaction discrepancies between what the wallet displays and um, the way the network's logic works. And so we need to make sure that those are hashed out ahead of time, right? Um, so V12 should be going live fairly soon. The other feature that we spoke about was the Seifu initiative, uh, which uh, basically what Seifu is, is uh, it uh, allows for uh, active exploit mitigation. So whereas programs like uh, Immunify, Codeforina, et cetera, uh, just like White Hat Hacker uh, initiatives uh, that offer, let's say, bug bounties to folks who find uh, a bug before that bug is exploited. Um, I think that's called a passive exploit. So you, know, you found a bug, it hasn't been exploited yet, and you've disclosed it responsibly. So there and there are incentives for doing so in the form of bug bounties. But what about situations where the hacker has already exploited a bug? So what Seifu does is it provides an avenue to uh, the hacker um, to deposit the funds uh, in a safe place, you know, on the network. So it allows the funds to be custodied back to the network. Um, and and sort of the hacker can then you know have this uh, this way of like securing the funds and then uh, giving them back uh, to the people affected, right? Whether that's the the protocol that's been hacked or the protocol's users, I think that kind of will be addressed on a case by case basis uh, by the exploited protocol themselves. But uh, you know, at least providing this avenue for protocol teams to rest assured that 
um, you know, at least there's one more tool in their arsenal to uh, offer their users that guarantee of safety from an exploit. Right. Um, so those are the two major updates um, for uh, V12. There is one more minor update, which is that anyone who, uh, you know, during the airdrop last year, during the rec drop, there were a few instances of uh, decay that began and then, and, and then having it pushed back a little bit by governance. So it started, folks began to claim, um, and you know, obviously lost some, some of their airdropped tokens due to decay. Um, and so you know, it was decided that, okay, you know what? Since governance decided to push it back, uh, someone should do the work of reimbursing the, the folks and making the folks who lost their tokens during the decay period whole, right? And so that's kind of you know, what, what V12 also does there, right? So all of that is included in version 12. Personally, I think version 12 is more of a minor milestone that comes right before the big meaty one, which is V13. And just to, again, give you folks another sneak peek, uh, V13 is gonna be when the first EVM extensions actually drop and go live on the Evmos network. So look forward to that. Um, look forward to essentially uh, EVM smart contracts on Evmos being able to communicate seamlessly cross-chain over IBC uh, right when V13 goes live. So more info on that in future community calls, but for now, we'll, we'll keep it short. We'll end there. And that's the V12 update. Awesome. Yeah, V12 has so many good things in it. I know you said it's more one of the minor ones compared to what's coming up in 13, but you know, like you said, the decay and you know, making certain affected users whole, things like that. There's yeah, so many good I mean, things about V12. No, no, yeah, you're totally right. Not to underplay things. I I think you know, I'm most excited about the fee subscription uh module uh for V12, because I'm just interested in seeing, you know, what the user feedback is, whether it's it's, it's been helpful, whether actually nobody uses it. Um, you know, the feedback we've gotten already is that you know, a lot of folks think this sort of thing would help them out a ton, which is uh, why uh, our contributors decided to work on it in the first place. Um, and so, yeah, just seeing it out in the wild and, and seeing if our, uh, our priors kind of match the the future feedback we'll be getting will be super good and it'll only improve from there you know fee abstraction can go a long way to, to making improving the user experience and uh yeah there's there are, there's an endless laundry list of ways that fees can be improved generally um and so yeah, yeah we're open to exploring those in the future if this is well received Absolutely. I, I can say from personal experience, you know, sometime in the past, fee subscription could have saved me some headaches. So I look forward to that one. Totally. All right. Um, next up, uh, we can open it up we, to a couple of guests that wanted to say a few things. I think first up, um, we have 
Sean from uh, Lava Network. Uh, they want to come up and say a couple of things. Let me go ahead and send them the invite to speak here. Yeah, and while you're doing that, I noticed that uh, you went ahead and pinned some of the ETH Denver talks that we mentioned uh, to the top of the call here. So you've got the two, you've got the panel that, that Akash was on for uh, Interop Summit. Um, and then you've also got the candy cam uh, that where, you know, basically uh, a few folks from the industry were interviewed uh, in kind of a fun way at one of the uh, uh, most sponsored events, of course, in, in collaboration with NIM Secret and Injective. Uh, in addition to that, for those of you who want more info on uh, the uh, fee subscription model, uh, you have the short bite-sized videos that, are, that have been put out, and that's pinned to the very top. If you haven't touched the call, you haven't swiped through the pinned posts, I think you should see that one first. So that's the fee subscription video if you want more info. Kilo, how are we doing on the guests? Um, invite sent out. I don't really see them here, though. I wonder if they're having some technical issues. I see someone has raised their hand. You've got Sean 8 from Lava coming up. And why don't we get the next guest speaker also lined up so we save our audience some time here. Absolutely. Um, all right, Sean's up with us. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Oh, Twitter being Twitter again. Let me send it again. Yeah, I see him is still connecting. Well, while Sean is coming up here, Kilo, did we go in depth into that USK uh, disabling conversion proposal? No, um, we kind of brushed past that one. Uh, feel free to jump into the uh, grittier details of that. Well, I, I think you'd be the right person to, to jump into the greater details of that, frankly. Um, yeah, unless, unless you don't want to. Um, yeah, I mean, I just have a cursory overview of it. It's um, so there was a um, conversion for USK that was previously registered and that was incorrect. Um, so the proposal is to disable that. Um, whether or not there becomes a correction at the end of that, I don't know yet. Right on. Yeah. Simple. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the uh, conversion module is involved in automatically, uh, you know, first of all, uh, IBC ERC20 pairs need to go through governance to be whitelisted. But once they are, uh, the Evmos protocol itself will automatically convert between uh, a coin's IBC and ERC20 convert, uh, representations. And so, you know, typically what's happened in the past is that, uh, you know, USK would come over it's not, as an IBC coin. Uh, to Evmos, and then Evmos would automatically convert that coin, you know, uh, into an its ERC representation, so it can be used, you know, with smart contracts on the EVM layer, with you know all of the uh, EVM compatible tools you know and love, uh, like MetaMask, uh, etc. Uh, and so, yeah, due to due to the mismatch that that uh, Kilo just mentioned, um, unfortunately the community decided to put up a proposal to disable it in the meantime. And again, unclear if, if 
that that mismatch will be corrected in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the update there. Sorry if, if uh, there's any uh, USK holders on Evmos right now uh, in ERC20 form. Uh, if you'd like to continue to use it, uh, recommend uh, you know I'd be seeing it back uh, before the proposal passes, unless it's already passed, Kilo, and and we're a little late here. Um, but yes, that's that's kind of uh, it. And I see that we have our speaker uh, just in time from Pyth Network. So I guess Ashan is still figuring out uh, his issues. But welcome, Pyth Network speaker. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you for having me, guys. Super excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you. Uh, why don't we get started with just uh, you know like an explanation of of what Pyth Network is uh, and how you guys got started? Yeah, of course. So TLDR Pyth is a financial oracle. So pretty much what we offer is price feeds to DeFi applications. Um, we have like two hundred price feeds ranging from crypto to FX, metals, and US stocks. And pretty much the whole idea of Pyth is really been like focused on providing low latency, high quality price feeds. Um, and so we often talk about like a first party data providers. So compared to kind of existing Oracle, we try to go fetch the data, like not us, but try to find the data creators, data owners, so that we have great quality of data, but also accountability. And actually it gives you access to new type of data that traditionally you cannot get access to, aka those US stocks price feeds. So overall, you can imagine PEF as some kind of data marketplace where you have data owner contributing to price feeds, their inputs, and data users, so DeFi application, integrating those price feeds in their apps. Can be perpetual protocol, can be ball ending, it can be synthetics, you name it. Um, so that's the overall idea of Beth. And it started pretty much two years ago, early 21. Um, and it was very much we came to the realization that there is no, like to, to reach, like to have DeFi reaching the level, let's say, of stratify in let's say efficiency like no existing oracle or kind of existing that could bring us there so from this realization we kick-started path and managed to get like amazing partners early on from jane street uh, win to mute uh Jump crypto but also more stratify players so recently we onboarded sibo which is like the second biggest um, exchange in the world, things number one in options uh, to provide data for US stocks. So that has been, um, let's say, our focus. Um, initially, we started on Solana. Um, the idea was to do everything on chain, like price aggregation um, and like price delivery, so that like no one can complain, everyone can verify. Um, and from there, well, the first year came by, we had great success on Solana, and we wanted to go like everywhere. The goal of Path is really to empower any builder wherever you are. Um, 
So we spinned up a version two, uh, which we call PSNET, where this data becomes available to, like it has become available to 15 different blockchains in the past six months, uh, mostly on EVMs. So we started with BNB, Ethereum, the R2s, um, and we had great success there. So for example, Synthetics uh, is using PETH on Optimism for its perpetual trading. Um, we have Cap Finance on Arbitrum. We have applications on various of those chains. And as you might have guessed, Evmos is coming, if not already. Perfect. Uh, thanks for the breakdown there. You answered a lot of the questions I was going to throw at you, um, which is perfect. Um, one of the questions that I think are on my mind, at the very least, is what's the secret sauce? So you mentioned that Pith is uh, low latency. Um, and I imagine that's relative, right? It's compared to other Oracle networks. Uh, what, what, are some, what are kind of some benchmarks you'd like to highlight here, um, you know, when compared to standard oracles like Chainlink or, you know, some of the oracles that may already be deployed to, to Evmos? Yes. Uh, so two things. First one, I, earlier I mentioned the first party data provider aspect. This comes to help um, given that not everyone has access to the freshest data. Um, and the like traditional assets is a great example because if you go, let's say on Yahoo Finance or Google Finance, you get data that is 15 minutes delayed. Um, it's by law, um, free data, you can get it, but it, it will come late. Uh, to get live data on the US stock side, you have to pay millions a year. And pretty much that's why, that's the Bloomberg business model pretty much. And it's a very successful company. So getting those first party provider um, and actually doing the aggregation on chain manage, like enables to create a very short, let's say, uh, itinerary for the data um, because traders or exchanges trade instantly give us what's the price of Bitcoin and directly send it on chain for aggregation. So you have like minimal uh, latency from the source to its aggregation. Um, we aggregate price feeds about three times per second. So you manage to get, um, like no blockchain goes faster than uh, this. So arguably, wherever you're building, you can get a piece price, in a new piece price, or an updated piece price in each of your block if you need. Uh, so, so that's the first aspect. And the second one uh, is more on the integration side. So from the user perspective, Pith is built pretty much the opposite way of most other oracles. We follow an on-demand model where the oracle itself will never push the prices on chain on behalf of the users, but rather we empower, we delegate this job of bringing prices on your chain to the users. Uh, and users, it can be user of an application or the application itself. So to put it into words, um, you're a perpetual protocol um, and you want to like enable like high leverage trading with little fees. To enable like one of the things to enable this is to have like pretty much the most accurate price point uh, on which you'll enable people to trade on. And by accurate, like there is the overall accuracy, but it's also the latency or the how fresh is this price. And with this end-to-end model, 
pretty much application can, whenever they want, let's say T1, T2, T5, request a new price on their chain to fulfill their user trades or any other actions. So with this model, um, you actually enable apps to have pretty much the, the freshest price available to do whatever it's needed. Um, so with this, you can, yeah, as I mentioned, decrease fees. So um, because you have less uh, of a potential discrepancy between the, let's say, price on Binance and the price on chain. Because um, just to expand, like push Oracle today, uh, so most of the other oracles update prices on chain based on set rules. Um, if it's on Ethereum, it's um, like it's an expensive chain to to send uh, transaction on. So you have most of the time like uh, an update frequency uh, that happens every hour or every let's say one percent price deviation. If you have this one percent price deviation rule. As a protocol using this, you have to understand that the price could be like 0.9% cheaper or more expensive than the price available on chain. And so due to this, to not get arbitraged by intelligent or highly profitable traders, like you have to apply like big fees to ensure that you're not getting um, like toxic flow uh, in your app that will be at the expense of your users or your kids. Uh, so this domain model, like, solve this problem. So by low latency, we also kind of refer to this. Like, our prices continuously update three times per second. You can read this for free uh, on our off-chain endpoint. But also, you can get, at in, like, in each of your blockchain block, a new price if you want to. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I, I wish we had time to, to dive even deeper. I think you've, you've given us a pretty good kind of technical high-level overview. Um, and yeah, as with any kind of Oracle network they use, we'd love to understand kind of like the integrity guarantees and whatnot. But unfortunately, we don't have time on this call. For the audience here, you know, how can they get started with using uh, a, a DAP on Evmos that has Pith integrated? Um, and then, you know, where can they follow along for future updates? Cool. And I think it's it's timely. Uh, so to follow, we have Twitter, Medium, the traditional uh, crypto suite uh, of like communication. And if you're a LinkedIn or, subs or Substack fan, we also have these. Um, and usage-wise, so things are, let's say, cooking. We have a few things uh, already out publicly, but not promoted. And that's the general advice, like browse the peace docs, you'll find information probably two weeks before we announce them. Um, so Evmos, we've deployed on testnet uh, last week, I think. Um, we're looking, if not already done, we've deployed on mainnet. So it's kind of our arrival time uh, in Evmos land. Uh, so for the users, Soon, I hope you'll be able to experience uh, DeFi apps using Pith on Evmos. Well, my job to make it happen. Um, but if you're like already using other chains, you can find on our website a list of consumer, uh, a link to their website and all the chains uh, they deploy on. So you could try those ones. 
but Evmos related soon and agreed on like as we let's say uh, formally announced peace arrival would love to like get deeper like presenting Evmos to the patient community but also getting introduced more to the to the Evmos community super thanks for that team really appreciate it thank you so much for having us of course and yeah as you mentioned uh, as mentioned before uh, happy to, to follow up with maybe a technical deep dive at some point uh, maybe with some of the dap teams that are using it in the future uh, excellent now we have uh, our speaker from from lava network uh, not Sean, or maybe Sean with a different account. Hey, Lava Network speaker, how's it going? Hey there, it's Ethan. Uh, I lead marketing and community I love. Good to meet everyone. Good to meet you as well. Uh, thank you for coming on. All good. Uh, glad to be here. Apologies for the technical difficulties, always inevitable. But uh, really excited to share what we're building for Evmos. 100%. Yeah, we're no strangers. Uh, on this community call to the technical difficulties on, on Twitter spaces. So absolutely no worries there. But yeah, I would love to hear more about what Lava uh, is working on. Absolutely. So Lava Network is an open source protocol which connects applications to all the best RPC providers. And uh, for those who don't know what RPC is, RPC is the communication protocol which developers and apps use in order to get data from the blockchain or to send transactions to the blockchain. And if you're thinking that is basically everything uh, that you need to actually build a, a blockchain app, that's very true. It's, it's a fundamental part of uh, how you build applications in Web3 and uh, we offer that infrastructure. Perfect. How, how does it, you know, I, I don't know how deep you wanna go here, uh, but hey, how does it work sure. generally? Um, yeah, I can go deeper. Um, so I guess the network comprises two parts. One is the protocol, uh, which is how the applications and the providers communicate with each other and uphold a certain level of service. And the other part is the uh, blockchain that we're building uh, using the Cosmos SDK. Um, so as I was saying, the what a protocol does is it will pair applications to a a list of the most relevant providers for you. So that list is determined according to a few different parameters. For example, how close the provider is to you, uh, historical quality of service. So was the provider fast, uh, high uptime, uh, accurate in the past? Um, and it will generate a list of providers that uh, will best serve your needs, your RPC needs. Uh, whenever you want to look up your wallet balance uh, on a on a front end uh, DAP like uh, Uniswap, for example, or if you want to make a back end uh, service call um, or submit transactions to the blockchains again via DEX or uh, deploying a smart contract, um, you will get that list of providers and you will interact peer to peer with them um, via RPC relays. Um, you will also pay those providers. Uh, as an application for the RPC service. And those uh, payments are settled on our blockchain. So our blockchain acts as a, a specialized settlement layer, um, which we've adapted to be more scalable um, so that 
uh, if there are any high uh, periods of demand, then there won't be any downtime. Um, so, so yeah, what happens? The result of that is that applications get decentralized access to Web three. Uh, they don't need to rely on a single provider in order to get data or to submit transactions on chain, and also they get much more reliable, robust, um, and private service because again, they're not going through a single provider, and so the levels of scalability and reliability become that much more uh, significant. So uh, yeah, hopefully that was a clear explanation. Totally, it was. Um, and so you know, I'm trying to think through the uh, the user flow for, let's say, a builder on Evmos mm -hmm. who is trying to source uh, reliable RPC endpoints for their application uh, that they're building. Um, how would that work? Would they have to go to Lava Network and acquire some of the, the Lava token? Um, is there like a sign-up flow? That sort of thing. Good question. So right now we're in testnet, uh, which means we do have testnet token. Um, and uh, not to go too much into it, we probably will have a token down the line uh, for mainnet in order to facilitate payments, etc. But uh, right now, if you want to play around with Lava to start even using Lava as an FMOS builder, you can. Uh, just because we're in testnet does not mean that uh, we don't have um, you know sufficient service for your applications, and you can access Lava through three different ways or two for now and one very, very imminently. Um, the two ways that you can access Lava now are through the gateway and through the server kit. And so the gateway is, um, well, many developers here will be familiar with an API gateway or RPC gateway. That's the same service that you'll probably be getting from um, a centralized provider like Alchemy, Infura, uh, Anchor. They all have gateways in which you can generate an endpoint, manage that endpoint. Um, and uh, just plug and play that into your application. So right now, uh, we have our gateway live and up and running already. You can access 20 plus chains there. We've implemented uh, many chains in the last two weeks, including FMOS, uh, which we're super excited for. And um, you can go there today, right now, or after this call, and uh, deploy your smart contract using an endpoint from the gateway or uh, make RPC calls through the gateway uh, for FMOS and uh, many different other chains as well. So that's one way that you can access the Lava network, the decentralized set of providers. The other way that we've also got up and running right now is the server kit. So the server kit, in a nutshell, allows you to self-host the gateway, right? So the gateway itself is a managed service, which offers a more familiar UI to developers. But if you want low-level um, flexibility and configurability, to play around uh, with Lava and maybe higher throughput as well. You might basically build your own or self-host your own gateway using our server kit. And uh, one thing to note is that our gateway is built using our server kit. Uh, so if you don't want to rely on our gateway, feel free to maximize the decentralization and build your own gateway as well. Um, and then the other one, the final um, offering that we're creating is the Lava SDK. And that's coming out I don't want to spoil it, but very, very soon. And uh, it is the, the cherry on top uh, and the thing which a lot of our developers in the community are super excited about. And um, the Lava SDK uh, is the, the real um, 
sort of a decentralized peer-to-peer uh, access point to Lava Network. Uh, you don't need to rely on any gateway. It is no managed service. You can, can you can use it to build your own applications um, using the, the toolkit, and uh, that will come also with FMO support from day one as well. So super excited to bring that to the table for you guys. Um, and yeah, so three ways to access Lava Gateway Server Kits right now, and the SDK extremely soon. Super. Thanks for the breakdown, Ethan. And uh, just just to one clarifying question. Um... Even though we're on Lava testnet, does that provide RPCs for Evmos testnet, or is that Evmos mainnet as well? The answer is both. So we provide uh, RPC for Evmos mainnets already, and also testnet. Um, when we're in testnet, what we mean by that is that you know we've put out a solution there, which we're building with the community. Um, at mainnet, we'll have everything ready, everything fully robust for even you know, the greatest of scales. But right now, you can still use our uh, FMOS RPCs for both testnet and mainnet, uh, especially through the gateway and the server kit. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, I, I assume that, but I just wanted to clarify in case anybody was confused. Well, Ethan, thank you for, for breaking it down. Um, where can people follow along with the, the Lava community and the latest updates? Sure. So. Similar to Pith Network, uh, we've got all the standard places, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn as well. We, we started posting on there. Um, it's still early days, right? And uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that a big part of our ethos is open source. So Lava is building open source SDK, ServerKit, uh, the best API tools for blockchain builders. And, um, you know, one key value is that the more people we have in our open source community, the more chains we can implement and support, uh, the more APIs we can implement and support uh, faster than any centralized provider can, and uh, more robustly and more transparently than any centralized provider can. So uh, we would love to see uh, any developers here who are uh, interested in Lava and want to contribute to the project in an open source way to join us in our Discord, uh, we recently brought in an amazing DevRel engineer, Kagemni. Not sure if he's on the call, uh, but if he's not, he'll definitely be in the in the Discord. And uh, yeah, come through to the Discord. We can uh, uh, bring you into our new program, the Developer Champions program, for our most engaged developers who want to work closely with Kagemni, uh, make content, uh, give product feedback, and uh, you can get involved from day one, pretty much day one of the protocol. Um, and yeah, we'd love to see you there. Otherwise, of course, our Twitter, our website, we have our docs, our GitHub already largely open sourced. And uh, yeah, we're really keen to welcome you into the community. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ethan. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and with that, I think it's kind of the perfect time to close out this community call. Thank you once again to both of our great speakers from Fifth Network and from Lava. Uh, and thanks to our audience here for listening to yet another one of these bi-weekly community calls. Thanks to my co-host Kilo as well for doing a great job with the agenda. Take care, everybody. Stay tuned for the latest updates and see you next time for a, sh a shared hosted community call 
with uh, both Evmos and Babylon uh, folks representing those efforts. Take care and see you around. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Evmos Community Call, recorded on Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often ate the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is gizzle Kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and mash, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two